0: Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. Would you help me welcome all of our first-time guests? We're so glad to have you with us here in the room, as well as those of you online. Man, who's having fun? You guys enjoy the jazz band, the uh, hot chocolate, the cold weather can't order. I'm just kidding. It's not his fault. We prayed for warm weather. I don't know what happened to everybody. But anyway, we're having a great time. And uh, sorry for those of you online that can't get the jazz band and the hot chocolate It didn't fit through the camera, but you've got Spotify and you can come as close as you can. Still love you. So hey everybody, I don't know about you, I love Christmas, I hope you do too, matter of fact, I can tell you do, because I look around the room and I can tell you something, you do not have an ugly Thanksgiving sweater. But you have ugly Christmas sweaters. And some of you are like, I'm not wearing my ugly... Okay, sorry about that. But you're wearing your Christmas sweater. You see, this is one of our favorite holidays. We've all got traditions, things we love about it. Anybody in here, you're the gingerbread house family. I've been taking a poll all throughout our services. And I'm feeling better because not many people are into gingerbread houses, apparently. But my wife and I were feeling bad because we weren't into it. And uh, for me, it's just not something I grew up doing. My wife's Romanian. It's not a part of her culture. And so she's kind of wanted to work it into one of our family traditions. So for the last few years, she'd get a gingerbread house and invite whatever kid wanted to leave the bedroom and join her in decorating it. But this year, she, she really wanted to like, make it a thing. Like, we're gonna make this part of our family. So we're gonna get a gingerbread house kit for everybody. We're gonna have a great dinner. And then after dinner, we're all gonna do this together. And then she called me from the store do you know how much gingerbread house kits cost? Because see, my son is getting married two weeks from today. Come on, let's celebrate that, two weeks from today. So what that means is there's an extra person in our family now. And so we were counting seven gingerbread house. like, Wow. So I I solved the problem real quickly. Okay, look, here's what we can do is uh, I will sit out and just do the music. I'll do Spotify in the background and make sure the Christmas music is jolly. And uh, then we'll divide the rest of you into teams. We're going to put three teams. So you only have to buy three houses instead of seven. Great idea. My wife buys three, comes home. But, man, any other husbands in here, when you figure out a way to save money, your wife figures out a way to spend it. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? So the money that she saved from not buying the rest of the gingerbread houses she now thought would be great to give us a cash prize to the first place house. We could have just done seven houses. It would have been a whole lot easier. Because the other problem is now that we've got to give away a cash prize, we have to have a winner. In order to have a winner, we have to have a judge. And that means I'm no longer just enjoying the evening playing Christmas music in the background. So what ended up happening divided into groups of two, my wife and a son, my daughter, future daughter-in-law and my other two sons. And I heard them for about an hour in the dining room making insults and comments and whatever and they're doing. And then finally they get ready for me to come in and pick my favorite. I got to be the judge between my children. That's just not cool. shouldn't do that. And so I walk into the dining room and all of my children are standing there And I'm thinking, if I pick my favorite and and I don't pick somebody else's, I'm going to be paying for counseling for the rest of you kids for the coming future. It would be like a traumatic experience. Well, there was that time I made a gingerbread house and my daddy didn't like it. I I was like, I'm not doing that. So I looked at the three gingerbread houses that were in front of me, and I picked my favorite. Three. (laughs) Out of three. And I know some of you are like, you can't do that. Well, they tried to tell me that I couldn't do that either, but we'll come back to them in a minute. You see, actually you can do that because the word favorite doesn't mean what we think. We all think favorite means that I like one better than the rest. But actually, the word favorite just means the one on which I put my favor. And I put my favor on all three for three very different reasons. First of all, one of them, I put my favor on it because it was so incredibly creative. One of my children, just, let's just word it this way. He is not constrained by the ideas of the rest of the world. And so he decorated this house with putting gumdrops anywhere he thought would be fun, everywhere. The truth is it didn't look like a gingerbread house. It looked like a cactus, just gumdrops just sticking out of it every direction. And for some reason, I don't know, it had a ghost gingerbread man on the side. So he took a gingerbread man, stuck it on, pulled it off, and left the icing. So ghost on the side. Creative, my favorite for being creative. And then the two girls... Incredibly artistic and detailed. And so they took the time with the icing. This is true. We've got pictures of this. To make individual icicles all the way around the roof line. It was beautiful and amazing. They outlined every window. It was like, wow, my favorite for detail. But then my other two sons, that, that, that well, it's just different with them. They knew the judge. And so they decorated the house accordingly. It became my favorite for bribing me. So on the top of the house, they wrote, go Duke. (laughs) On the other side of the house, they wrote, number one, wise dad. (laughs) How can you not win? Again, my favorite. So I found out very quickly though that my children are quite competitive and when we took the cash prize and split it between all of them, some of them threw their money back at the table because they refused to tie with one of the other houses that they saw on the table and well, it was just a whole ordeal. We won't, we won't go into that. What I did learn about them, they don't like a three-way tie. What they learned about me is that they're all my favorite. That made it worth worthwhile, right? How many of you, let me ask you a question, how many of you think you're God's favorite? Y'all knew that story was going somewhere, didn't you? I didn't get many hands. How many of you believe you're God's favorite? I got one hand of a very young, bold person over there. You see, again, being God's favorite doesn't mean that he likes you better than the person you're seated beside. It means that he has put his favor upon your life. Now, I know it's Christmas, we're all smiling, we've all got on some really cool outfits and everything, and so right now, you'd say, of course, God's favor's on my life, but when I'm a pastor in January, some of you are gonna come back to me and say, I don't really think God's favor's on my life because my life doesn't go the way that I think it should. I face some hardships I don't think I should face, and there are some things that I I just, man, doesn't even seem like God's with me some of the time. What I hope we can do today for our Christmas time together is to understand what favor really means. And that you'll see God's favor in your life. And if you're not seeing God's favor in your life, then maybe we'll figure out how to get God's favor in your life. That's my hope for you today. And so matter of fact, the reason I want to talk about this is because favor is an incredibly significant part of the Christmas story. I want to share this with you. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow along, but don't worry. It'll be right here on the screen. And We're gonna be in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, where we're going to jump into the story, is where the angel Gabriel comes to talk to Mary. And he says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Now, here's what I wanna answer first because people ask me this all the time. The sixth month of what? The sixth month, what are we judging from? Actually, there are two miraculous births taking place at the same time, one of them is a little ahead. Actually, earlier, the angel had come several months ago to Mary's relative, Elizabeth, and her husband, Zechariah, and said, you will have a miraculous birth. You will have a special child, and it will be John the Baptist. So when it says in the sixth month, it's actually in the sixth month of that pregnancy. So John the Baptist is six months along the way and now the angel Gabriel is gonna show up and talk to Mary as we know in the story. So Gabriel comes to the city of Galilee named Nazareth and he comes to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled. How many of y'all know that was not the response that Gabriel was looking for? I mean, like, have y'all ever been excited to give somebody something and, like, you couldn't wait to give it to them and you just wanted to see the smile on their face and they open it up and there's no smile and you're like, I think that's kind of where Gabriel was. I mean, there's only one time in all of human history he's been awaiting his moment. One time he's gonna get to come down to earth, announce the birth of the Messiah. He's like, really excited, greetings, oh, favored one. You've won the lottery. And she is freaking out. Not exactly what he's going for. So he has to calm her down. And he says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I want us to stop and talk about that because twice already in the story, it's like it's two opening lines. You are favored. You found favor with God. This word favor is actually the same Greek word in the original language that we translate sometimes as grace. What that means is that favor Just like grace is something that God chooses to do, has nothing to do with something you've earned, you don't deserve it. That's actually the definition. It's an unmerited, undeserved gift or endowment from God. God has decided to do this, not because you're great, but because God has a purpose. God has chosen to do something favored. And so in this case, God has chosen Mary for a favored life. Matter of fact, there is absolutely nothing in the Christmas story that makes us see that Mary would be any more special than any other woman in Israel at the time. God is choosing to do something favored with Mary. So the angel Gabriel is going to go on to describe this because, again, she's kind of disturbed. He says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. At this point, you can imagine Mary is starting to put together something awesome is about to happen, a really special kid actually. Everything the angel just described can make sense as she's playing it out in her mind. Oh, he's going to be sitting on the throne of David, of his his father. Well, that makes sense because Joseph is of the house of David. So that's the, the lineage. Oh, I get this. Wow, this makes sense. But wait a minute. I'm just a young Jewish girl and I'm marrying a carpenter, but you're about to tell me my kid's going to grow up to be a king? A king, because that's what it means to sit on the throne of the house of Jacob. He's going to be king of our country, of Israel, and his kingdom's going to last forever. That means not only is my kid special, so are my grandkids and my great-grandkids. Like, they're going to be on the throne forever. This is amazing. Matter of fact, apparently, he's going to be such a good king. People are even going to, like, call him like a god, like the son of God. Like, wow, what a special kid I'm about to have. But there's a problem. I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm kind of missing an ingredient. And so she says to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? I, 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 I have a special kid, but, but I'm, I'm a virgin. Literally, the phrase says, how will this be since I've never known a man? Now, this is something somebody always likes to ask about the Christmas story. If you read it earlier, the angel went to Zechariah, said you're going to have a kid. Zechariah said something and got in trouble for it. Then the angel comes to Mary and says, you're gonna have a kid. Mary says something, and she doesn't get in trouble. The truth is, both of them kind of said the same thing. You see, Zechariah, when he was told, you're gonna to have a kid, like John the Baptist, his response was, excuse me, it, how is this gonna happen? Because he's like, I'm old, and my wife, now she's really old, and she was barren anyway, which just goes to show, if an angel ever talks to you, don't insult your wife in front of him. It doesn't go well, because Zechariah didn't get to speak again until the kid was born, Okay? But see, Mary, she asked the same thing. How is this going to be? Because I've never known a man. The difference is, Zechariah was telling the angel all the reasons God couldn't do this. Mary was asking how it was going to come to pass because she's putting it together in her head. But wait a minute. I just need some more details. Is this something Joseph and I are gonna do years later? Are you telling us about something's gonna happen next year, maybe five years from now? Which one of our kids? How do we know it's gonna be? Like, I mean, she's just starting to piece together the way this is going to happen, and she is going to come with Joseph, get married, and have this really special kid. And so the angel answers her. Mary, it's a little bit different from what you're thinking. It's not just a special kid. He says, actually, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Oh, so it's not gonna be Joseph's kid. No, matter of fact, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God, for nothing will be impossible with God. Are you kidding me? Wait a minute, my kid is God's son? You can imagine at this point, she went from thinking her natural kid is going to be really special to all of a sudden, how is this even a reality? I mean, with all due respect, I don't mean to insult any teenagers in the room. She was actually between 14 and 15 at the time, and there was no way she could comprehend this. Again, not picking on teenagers. She just didn't have enough of those been there, done that T-shirts yet. It just didn't make sense. But the truth is, no adult would have understood this at that moment. No one. Matter of fact, all of the teachers Of the law, all of the the priests and the the rabbis would have would have tried to explain what's going to happen. They didn't even understand what was going to happen. They didn't even understand Jesus when Jesus was on the earth, much less the idea that he's actually going to come and and, and be born of a virgin, that the Holy Spirit is going to supernaturally cause her to be pregnant. What? I mean, they couldn't even have grasped it. No one could. Because even if you understand the words, the words that the angel is saying is describing something that is scientifically impossible. It has never happened in history. It's never happened in science. It doesn't make any sense. And I think we have to, To grasp the fact that Mary was obviously a little bit like, I'm not sure I get this plan. There's no way anybody could have said, oh, that makes perfect sense to me. Okay, cool. She had to be a little like, "Um, yeah, I'm a little confused. And that's what makes her response all the more beautiful. You maybe have heard more than one sermon in your life on her response because it's one of the, the greatest responses a human can ever offer towards God. But what she said to the angel was simply, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. May it be to me according to your word. And the angel left her. Behold, I'm I'm just a servant of the Lord. I, I don't think I understand fully what you just said. I sure don't understand how this is gonna happen. And this is blowing my mind, but okay, God, if that's what you've got, then I'm okay with that. The reason that we're talking about this today is because what my hope is, as I've already told you, is that you'll begin to see God's favor, and you'll be able to experience God's favor in a way that you never have. And I know some of you would say, Jimmy, I think you're reaching a little bit for a Christmas sermon to be comparing my favor in my life to Mary. I mean, like, she gave birth to the Son of God. Like, how can you use that story to talk to us? Well, one of the reasons that I think we struggle to see God's favor in our lives is because we, we just don't quite grasp the word the way we should. We're gonna, have to, we're gonna have to reframe our thinking around the idea of favor. One of the first things that we need to change is the idea that most of us would say, I'm just an ordinary human. I'm just an ordinary person. You're comparing me to someone who gave birth to the Son of God, but I'm just an ordinary person. We would talk about the Bible being filled with stories of God coming and putting his favor upon someone, Right? How about Noah? Noah lived at a time of great wickedness upon the earth. The Bible says that God's favor was upon him, and so God gave him the instructions. He built the boat. God rescued him while everybody else was wiped out off the face of the earth, getting rid of all of the evil. But God's favor was on Noah. How about Abraham? Abraham was old. His wife was barren also. God came to them and said, You're going to be the father of my people of all generations. You're going to have more descendants than you'll be able to count. It'll be like the stars. Favor was upon them. How about Joseph? His brothers hated him, threw him into a pit, figured out that was for free. They could get money. They got him back out of the pit, sold him into slavery. Then when he gets into slavery, he gets accused of a crime he didn't commit and thrown into prison. Like that was rescue from slavery. Are you kidding me? But because God's favor was upon him, he was rescued from all of that and ended up being the second highest in the land, only to Pharaoh, the greatest empire upon the earth. That's what I call Favor. And then God's people, the Israelites, then grew up in Egypt. They ended up as slaves, but because God's favor was upon them, they were set free from slavery, and all of the Egyptians started throwing their gold at them as they went. That's the favor of God. I'm only four stories into the beginning of the Bible. like We could be here all day seeing God's favor. And this is where you would say, exactly, Jimmy, that's the point. Those were incredible people with great stories. And I would say, no, that's exactly what you and I miss. Those were absolutely ordinary people who God put his favor on. And God equally wants to put his favor on your life. There was nothing special about any of them. They simply were people that God put his favor on. We need to understand something. It's a lie of the devil to believe that you're an ordinary human. Hear me when I tell you this. No child of God is an ordinary human. Nobody has said amen all weekend long. Are y'all not more excited about that? No child of God is an ordinary human. I mean, think about this. Thank you. But think about this. The Bible actually says that we are God's workmanship. It means that we're uniquely individually created. God was doing something when he was making you. He wasn't making somebody else. It's not mass production. If you are uniquely created by God himself for a special purpose, that's favor. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Raise your hand if you were struck by lightning and died at that moment exactly no hands you know what because of mercy that's god's favor in your life our lives are so filled with god's favor we just don't know how to see it and that leads us to the other problem we have we we don't really understand the word favor most of us think if, if god's favor is on my life my life will always be easy everything will go the way it's supposed to go when i'm driving in traffic nobody else will be out all the lights will turn green when i go shopping on the last day before Christmas at Walmart, I will get a parking space by the front door and everybody in Walmart will act like a same person. That's God's favor, right? Actually, God's favor is you don't go to Walmart at all. That's just <laughs> I used to think the same thing. My pastor taught me to pray three things over my life and I misunderstood one of them for a very long time. Prayed for it every day and I was always mad at God that he didn't give it to me. One of the first things he taught me to pray was presence with a capital P. God's presence to be with me wherever I went. Like, I don't need to leave my house if God is not with me. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, if it's just a human walking out, I'm going back inside. Second thing is wisdom. Because if I'm gonna live my life according to what's going on in my head, I'm gonna be in a whole lot of trouble. Like, I need God's wisdom for every decision I make. the third thing he taught me to pray for every day was favor, God's favor. And for decades... I believe that that meant I pray for your favor today, God, and I get green lights and parking spaces and everything goes easily for my life. Completely misunderstood. If we use that definition for favor, I want you to think about this very, very logically just for one second. If we use that definition for favor, then Gabriel lied to Mary. Because there's not a single person in here that would look back at Mary's life right now and say that was favor. That wasn't an easy life. Are you kidding me? Again, she's about 14 or 15 years old. The story told us she's trying to do this right. She's a virgin, even though she's engaged. She's trying to honor God. And now, as a 15-year-old girl, she's suddenly gonna be pregnant with a story nobody's gonna believe. Uh-huh, favor. And then her fiance is gonna leave her unless the angel shows up one more time and does one more dream and that whole sort of thing and says, by the way, her story's true. You better go ahead and marry the girl. Yep. Yep. And that, ladies, you can identify with this one. Nine months pregnant, she has to ride over 80 miles on the back of a donkey, not even going to the ER, doesn't even get a hospital. She ends up having to give birth in either a makeshift barn or a cave where they kept the animals in between two cows, or, well, maybe even worse. That's your idea of favor? And soon as the child is born, you find out that the king of the land that you live in wants to kill him. So now you've got to go live in a country you don't know anything about, far away you don't want to be in. And then later, your husband is, well, he's going to leave long before you do. He's going to die, unfortunately. And, and then when you're watching your son, your firstborn, hang on the cross, your husband's not even there to comfort you. Are you going to tell me that's favor? It is if we understand God's idea of favor. See, God's idea of favor is not an easy life, but a great purpose through your life. Did y'all get that? Favor doesn't mean an easy life, but it means God doing a great purpose through your life. And if we understand that God actually wants to do a great purpose through our lives, and we agree to engage in that like Mary did, well, then we might start to experience his favor on our lives and his favor in our lives but it's probably going to mean we're going to to make some changes because look you you think mary had some plans some dreams look you find me anybody some young woman who is about to get married and i'll show you somebody with dreams and plans i mean here she is this young girl she said oh i can't wait getting ready to marry joseph it's going to be so beautiful he's such a great guy can't wait. When we get married, we're going to have all these kids, and we're going to save up, and we're going to get this little farm on the outskirts of Nazareth. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. I'm already deciding what the kitchen's going to look like where I roast the lamb and make the hummus. It's going to be great. And we're going to get some sheep, and you know what. We're even going to take some vacations, just like you and I look forward to Disney. They look forward to making it to Jerusalem a couple times in life and seeing the temple. They've heard the temple is amazing. Family reunions, hanging out with cousins, And then Passover. Oh, who can miss Passover? You see, Passover was when they got together to celebrate being saved from slavery. For you and me, the equivalent is Christmas. It's what we do. We shut down everything. Stores close, The world stops. We make big food, meals. We all come together with our family. And she was looking forward to every year having a great Passover feast with with her family. And I, I think one of the favorite things that she was dreaming of was growing old and looking at the olive orchard that, Her and Joseph had built. You see, here's the thing about olive trees. You can't plant one and then get olives from it next year or even a few years. Actually, olive trees, the olives that came off of them, they made oil. They were for food. They could be traded for money. It was like their life. But if you had a fruitful olive tree, it means your parents planted it or your grandparents. And so I can imagine that Mary's thinking, man, we're going to do so well for our kids, just like some of you would think. We're going to start saving for their college from the very beginning. Like she's thinking, we're going to, Joseph, I can't wait. We're going to grow old and we're going to stand on the top of the hill with gray hair and we're going to look at all of those trees we planted, maybe a couple every year, and we're going to watch our grandkids run between them. You don't think Mary had plans? How much of that worked out the way she had in her mind? And yet, Mary had God's favor all over her life, and she achieved one of the greatest purposes any human ever has, right? Now look, I know some of you would want to push back right now and say, but Jimmy, (laughs) there is like easy good stuff that comes with favor. Like we've got the saying, favor ain't fair. Like it's officially a hashtag on Instagram, favor ain't fair, right, you know? And when we, when we do that, when we put the picture on Instagram and we hashtag at favor ain't fair, it's of some crazy good thing happening to us that of course we don't deserve, but we go favor ain't fair, right? You know, it's like when you go on a trip and you book the smallest little compact car that they give you at the rental agency. It's so tiny. It's about the same size as your suitcase. It's so small that even Honda and Toyota won't put their name on it. Like it doesn't even have a brand They're like, here's the keys. It's that red thing. Don't even ask what it is. And when you get there, they say, I'm sorry, sir, but we're all out of what you booked. We only have one car left. You'll just have to do here. It's a Lamborghini. And you find yourself doing a selfie. Hashtag favor ain't fair. Right? That kind of thing. You see, here's the thing. God does include special blessings that you and I call favor. Those special blessings go along with the special purpose that he wants to do in your life. The problem for most of us is that we've redefined favor to be only the blessings without the purpose. The blessings are real. You've experienced them. You've been in places where you just got something to go really, really great, and you're like, whoo, how did that happen? Favor. Favor ain't fair. I went on a trip, and and as a pastor, I mean, like, I don't usually get to fly, you know, at the front of the plane, but I got this upgrade to first class, last leg of the journey home, really tired, been doing a lot, preaching a lot, flying a lot. Oh, man, I was exhausted. And I get to go onto the plane early, sit down. You know what? If you've never flown first class, you're just missing it. I'm just going to tell you. The seats are huge. And it doesn't matter if that person's elbow is in the way. It's, it's still way over there, you know? I mean, except for COVID, they give you water in a real glass. I mean, like, you know what? It was cool. And I just sit down, and I'm relaxing and thinking, oh, God loves me, Which by the way is our problem with favor. You need to know that God loved Mary at the moment she had to tell everybody she was pregnant. You need to know that God loved Mary when she was running off to Egypt to raise her son to make sure the king didn't kill him. God loved Mary when an angel was talking to her. God loved Mary when she was rocking Jesus in a chair and experiencing God's presence. And God loved Mary when she was watching her son hang on a cross. We've got to stop thinking that God loves us only because we're having our best moment. But as I sat there in that chair, thinking, wow, what a good life. God, you really do like me. Have you ever been on a trip and somebody that has no reason to be anywhere near you shows up? I'm sitting there enjoying that moment and a Grace Life elder walks onto the plane. And he stops and he looks at me and you could just read his eyes we sure better not have paid for that seat. Like, I mean, you know what, like I could just see that's exactly what he's thinking. So I just looked up at him and said, favor ain't fair. It's his over six foot self had to go and try to the back of the plane and scrunch down in one of those little seats. And I just smiled because favor ain't fair. Look, God brings a special purpose that he wants to do through your life. And yes, ridiculous special blessings also come alongside of it. We just... We can't lose sight of the purpose. Look, Mary had a great purpose. She also got some really cool blessings. The angel said to her, hey, do not fear. The Lord is with you. And after seeing the angel fulfill his words and God do what he did, I promise you, we can see the story, all of that we read about Mary in the rest of the Bible. She was never frazzled. I think because of that, one of the favorite things that God did in her life was she just lived with a calm in her soul the rest of us are jealous of. She got to have a relationship with Jesus that no other human will ever know. She got to experience God's presence. I mean, an angel talked to her. She gave birth to a son. I promise you, that night in that barn, she didn't care about the animals because of the presence of God being so overwhelming. And all of that beats a first-class seat on Delta, I promise. But she had to go through some, some difficulties See, favor doesn't always mean an easy life, but it does mean God's got a great purpose to be carried out through your life. So let me bring all this together because, again, for those of you that say, I don't see it, I want you to see it. And for those of you that don't have it, I want you to get it. There's a secret to having a favored life. Mary showed us what it is. It was her response to the angel. Watch this. Mary said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. See, the secret to a favored life is when you recognize there are only two characters in any life story. There are only two characters in any life story. And in Mary's life story, she figured out she was going to be the servant of the Lord. I think some of us don't experience the favor of God because we've taken on the character of being the Lord of our story. Matter of fact, there's a a famous poem, Invictus, you may not know it by its name, but there's a really great line, famous line, it's a really great motivational tool in this poem that says, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul. You ever heard that before? I'm the master of my fate, I'm the captain of my soul. And in the context of that poem, it's a really beautiful line. Because the context is that life is hard, things are gonna get me down and try to take me out, but when something comes against me, when adversity is after me, it will not win. I'm the master of my fate, you will not take me down. And in that context, go for it. The problem is that some of us have just decided I'm the master of my fate, period. And what Mary figured out that I want you to get this Christmas is that you have a choice. And you will make that choice. You'll make it by accident. You'll make it by default. You'll do one of the two. You will either be the master of an ordinary human life or you'll be the servant of the most high with a highly favored life. If you're not seeing and experiencing the favor of God the way you want to, you might be in the wrong seat because we all have a choice. You will either be the master of a very ordinary human life, or you'll be the servant of the Most High in the most incredibly favored life you could ever dream of. Amen? You know, the greatest favor that any of us ever had bestowed upon us is actually what we're here to celebrate today. And that is that when humanity was separated from God because of our own decisions, our own choices, God's favor said, oh, no, 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 I'm gonna save you. It's not because of anything you've done. Matter of fact, what you did made a mess. Like, no, 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 it's not because of what you've done, it's because of who I am. My favor, I'm gonna bestow upon you forgiveness. My favor is going to bestow upon you eternal life. Here's how it's gonna work. I'm gonna send my son, Jesus. In order to die for you, he's going to be both God and man. So there's going to be this great moment where he's born as a human. You're going to celebrate it for thousands of years. And then he's going to live a perfect life. He's going to die on the cross. He's going to be raised from the dead. And the favor that I place upon you is to call you a child of God. Not because of what you've done. Because of what my son is going to do for you. I want you to know this is very important. In a moment, we're going to light our little candles and we're gonna sing a song. And we're not doing that just to get warm, fuzzy feelings. The reason that we light those candles is because Jesus said, I came into this world as light that you would not remain in darkness. The most important thing that you need to get today is not a roast beef dinner and hot chocolate and enjoying the jazz band. If you get all of that and you remain in darkness, you've missed the point of all of this. So the most important thing we can do right now is I wanna take a moment and I wanna give anyone here who has never exchanged the human life with you as Lord for the great favored life that God intended for you. It's what we call the free gift of salvation. If you've never had that conversation with God, if you've never made that exchange, If you don't know what it's like to wake up every day and know that God loves you and you are forgiven and you are accepted and you are highly favored, I wanna help you change that. Would you all pray with me? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so now I choose to live for you. I thank you that I am loved. I thank you that I'm forgiven. I thank you that I'm highly favored. In my simple prayer here today, would you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom? Amen. Would everybody help me celebrate with them? Amen. You know, that's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. But we wanna make sure that you get help taking whatever step comes next for you. If you would simply text YES to Jesus to the number on the screen, whether you're here in the room or online. We'd love to give you a Bible if you need one. We'd love to pray with you. If you would like some prayer, if you have a question, we'd love to answer those questions. Whatever we can do to help you take your next step in surrendering your life to Jesus, recognizing the reason for the season is the favor that God put upon us. Simply text YES to Jesus to the number on the screen. While you're doing that or while someone else is doing that, if you would go and grab your candle, stand to your feet. The worship team is gonna lead us in declaring that the light has come into the world that you and I will not remain in darkness. grace life God bless you and your family Merry Christmas everybody